I want you to uh, imagine uh, a man uh, driving his car and he comes to a fork in the road. There are no barriers, there's no traffic lights, no, there's no other traffic to uh, impede him. And he chooses to turn right. Now a casual observer would say that he was free to do that. Nothing impeded him from turning either right or left and he chose to turn right. But now suppose this. Suppose he's a drug addict and uh, the left fork would lead him to his job which is well paid and enjoyable and he loves that job but the right fork will take him to his drug dealer. He knows if he turns right, he will like as not lose his job, his home, possibly his family. But he has a craving within him which makes him turn right and head for disaster. Is he free? That, that, that story actually in, illustrates a classic problem for people who think about human freedom. Our reflex is to think that actually freedom is all about being free from external controls and coercion. And the uh, um, great 18th century philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau said that people naturally choose um, freedom. And it is actually the, the structures of the state and of society that inhibit them. Mankind is born free and everywhere he's found in chains, said, uh, uh, said Rousseau. And he said what we need is a society, it's societies which just take off all the handcuffs that, uh, uh, that people have put on them so that they can freely choose. Unfortunately, he became the great um, philosophical inspiration for the French Revolution, which promised freedom, but actually delivered chaos and terror and despotism. So, in part, in, in response to that at least, in Britain, in the 19th century, Rousseau was 18th century, um, um, Victorian Britain opted for a very, uh, another vision for people. People, um, uh, said the Victorians, if left to their own, choose their own disaster. What we need is controls, limits, laws set in place. The sort of moral panic that there was in late Victorian uh, England has become um, a part of British folklore. But of course, those people may be protected from the worst of their damage, but no one can pretend they're free. And so we're left on with, it, with a dilemma. And go, going back to that man in his car, how can that man be free? Remove all the barriers and he will choose disaster. But putting up barriers limits him, doesn't it? And uh, removes his freedom. The older I get, the more aware I become that that kind of addiction and 
hidden drive in human beings is not confined to the drug dealers, of the, uh, the, the drug addicts of this world. Actually, again and again and again, we find ourselves driven by, by drives that we, we barely recognise, but which actually drive us towards disaster. Rightly so, human beings want to be free. We want not to have barriers set for us which stop us heading for disaster. But we are, or those who are morally sensitive to their own hearts, sense how dangerous it is to have those barriers taken away. Surely we need, then, a kind of freedom as human beings in which we can really make freely chosen good choices. And it's exactly that kind of freedom that Jesus is offering in John chapter 10. So before we... Uh, um, uh, uh, get into John 10 itself. Let, let me set it in some kind of context in, in John's Gospel. When Jesus says, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd, he is using um, a kind of phraseology which in John's Gospel he has used before. In fact, I am the, followed by um, some, some um, image of, uh, of one kind or another, um, comes up seven times in John's Gospel. If you've been here over, uh, over the weeks, you will realise that sevens are a big deal for uh, John in his Gospel. The first time Jesus says, I am the, is in John chapter 6, verse 48. I am the bread of life, he says. Each of these I am the's is about life, the life that Jesus offers. And that first one, you could say, is life as nourishment. I give you the bread of life. I am the bread of life. The second, um, I am the, pictures life as illumination. I am the light of the world, he says, in John chapter 9, verse 5. Jumping over John 10, uh, for a minute, which are the third and the fourth instances of I am the. The fifth one occurs in John chapter 11, where John, uh, uh, Jesus pictures life as resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life, he says in John 11.25. The sixth one is, pictures life, the life that he offers as a journey. I am the way, the truth and the life, he says in John 14 verse um, uh, verse 6 and the seventh of those images um, um, brings it together life as, as organic union with Jesus himself I am the true vine he says and you are the branches in John chapter 14 verse 6 so every time Jesus says I am the he is, he is giving another nuance then to the life that he offers. 
and uh, the third and fourth of these images as I've already mentioned are found in uh, John chapter 10 I am the, the gate he says and I am the good shepherd he needs two images to get the picture in our heads at this point so only needed to use one and every other time he needs two images to portray life this time as freedom. Now, to be absolutely honest, Jesus begins not very clearly in verses 1 to 5. If you read it, it's really um, a number of observations about... um, first century sheep keeping which to people like me is very interesting Um, if you don't know I'm a farmer's son and was a vet before I was a pastor Um, but uh, frankly doesn't explain that much and it's not surprising in verse 6 that you read Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them Well, I'm not sure anyone would at first reading of those first five verses. So, from verse 7 onwards, he starts to make it clearer. And that's what we're going to to look at. First of all, in verses 7 to 10, he's going to say, um, freedom is being in a sheepfold or a sheep pen with a gate. We need to um, um, recognise, first of all, the, the agreed um, common ground between him and his hearers that sheep do need a pen. Um, uh, in, uh, in, in the first century, of course, sheep would be out free on the, the hillsides very often, but there were plenty of wolves and uh, other uh, and, and, and nasty people around, and so at night the sheep would be brought into a big um, pen, a pen to keep the sheep safe, a pen to stop robbers and wild animals from molesting them, a pen to stop the sheep foolishly wandering off in all sorts of directions. And uh, as we think about it, thinking of ourselves as, as those sheep, we, we can sense ourselves being drawn into that classic Victorian image of what we need as human beings. Remember the Victorians said, no, we need... We need um, walls, barriers, laws to keep us from doing silly things. We have ovine tendencies that need rules and restrictions. But you see, Jesus doesn't develop the image of the the sheepfold, the sheep pen, any further. He doesn't say, I am the sheep pen. He says, I am the gate. And the gate in the pen transforms a sheep pen from a prison to a place of safety and liberty. The gate 
says Jesus, first of all, um, is crucial for keeping the sheep safe. Verse 9, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved, or perhaps will be safe. Jesus, as the gate then, completes the integrity of the pen at night and, and protects the sheep from thieves and robbers, from the multiple tyrannies of the world. And he offers to protect us too. Protect us um, in a thousand different ways. His, his, his love hems us in around. He says, uh, for instance, elsewhere, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Not, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. The very hairs of all your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. One of the key things that Jesus came to do was to protect us, to, to reassure us of the love of God. A love of God that not only protects us in this life, but that protection even transcends death itself. So that, so that the Apostle Paul can say at the end of Romans 8, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation is going to be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are a believer, you are safe. You have come into the sheepfold and the gate is shut. He is Jesus. And we need that safety in order to feel free. It was a, a, a Danish philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, who, who suggested that actually it is anxiety that drives us to make bad decisions again and again and again. He called, he, he called anxiety the dizziness of freedom. God, God makes us free, but as, as, as we think about that, it, it, it is anxiety-inducing. And so many of our decisions are driven by fear. Teenage girls who are, who are um, insecure are far more um, uh, likely to engage in early sex, to give in to boyfriends' demand from sex because they are responding to fear. Young men who feel insecure are far more likely to be violent. And as we get older, actually, again and again, so many of our decisions that we make are driven by fear, anxiety, and a desire for security. Jesus says, you are safe. The most common thing he said to his disciples was, do not be afraid. I am the gate, he says. I make you safe. That is an integral part of your freedom. 
But you see, that gate, as I've already said, liberates the pen from being a prison too. Because when it's safe, it opens. I am the gate, verse 9, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The sheep, you see, when it's safe, can go out. The sheep can go and forage. They can, they can explore. They can look for food. This is a picture both of safety and of liberty and freedom. It doesn't hold us in a prison for our own safety. But he balances protection and liberty. Well, so far, so good. But um, in my mind, um, uh, is, the, is this question. Okay, you are the gate, Jesus. The gate opens and I can go out onto that hillside. But isn't that going out into a place of danger? Surely I'm unprotected when I'm out there. And the image that he's used so far of the gate has not yet, uh, cannot help us with that. So he switches image. So that he can uh, explore more deeply the kind of freedom that we enjoy. Freedom is like sheep in a pen with a gate, he said. Freedom is being led by a shepherd, he says now, not a hired hand. Verses 11 to 18. Sheep and uh, 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 a shepherd, you see, in, uh, in ancient Palestine have, 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 have a particular relationship not quite the relationship that a modern shepherd has. My, 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 my dad's a shepherd and uh, he needs a good sheepdog um, to, um, uh, to keep the sheep in order. And um, I have to say at the moment he hasn't got one, which uh, that's another story. Um, uh, but that wasn't the case with first century shepherds. And Jesus draws on that, uh, that first century image of a shepherd to try to show his care for his sheep. A shepherd, says, um, uh, says Jesus, and the sheep have, have mutual knowledge of one another. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Um, earlier on he said, the shepherd calls each of his sheep by name. That may be uh, uh, stretching it even for first century um, uh, shepherds. But frankly, my dad, who's got a modest, modest flock of 120 or so sheep, so sheep, he knows virtually all of them. They all look the same to me. And that, and that means he can watch them. He can spot when one has developed a, a, a new lameness. He can spot... When, uh, uh, when one is not uh, feeding itself quite as well as it should do and, uh, uh, and give it a little more food. He can look after them individually. And so it was in the, in the first century. I know my sheep, he says. 
He knows you. He knows your needs. He knows when things are going wrong. And uh, conversely, the knowledge goes the other way. He um, talked about it slightly more enigmatically in verse 4. The sheep follow him because they know his voice, he said, of the shepherd. And then um, in verse 16 he elaborates on that, um, describing in fact how he is going to have a global flock of people. Verse 16, I have other sheep who are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He is, he is picturing then himself calling, calling throughout the whole world and those who have ears to hear, hearing him and responding to him. A good number of years ago, now I was um, uh, on my own cycling up, up in, the, in the mountains of northern Spain in the autumn. And I was up in a very, very high valley, vast valley, miles um, from um, one side to the other. And the shepherd came into the valley wanting to bring his uh, flock down for the autumn. I, I frankly couldn't see any sheep. But he started calling. And you just saw these little white flecks all around, up in the, up in the, high, uh, the high mountain, starting to move. And he, he, he stood, he had to stand, as I remember, for half an hour to an hour, just calling these sheep. All they came. They just came down. And then he walked on down the mountain with his flock following behind him. That's the image that Jesus wants us to have. My sheep know my voice. Here is freedom. Not the freedom of barriers. Not the freedom of coercion. Not the freedom of hidden desires like the drug addict that will lead us to destruction. The freedom that actually speaks to us at a deeper level than those desires and says, come, follow me. And because he is the good shepherd, he leads us to good places. He knows you. His voice, if you are a believer here this evening, his voice will draw you to good places. More than that, though, says Jesus, the shepherd not only has has a, a mutual knowledge between himself and his sheep. A good shepherd, like Jesus, is absolutely committed to his sheep. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for 
the sheep. That is completely different, he says, from a mere hired hand. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away and the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You know, human history is just full of people like that who set themselves up as leaders of other people but frankly, when the going gets tough, they're, they're off. They were only interested in a following. They have no sense of responsibility to those people and the people are helpless and scattered. Not so the good shepherd. He owns, he's committed to those sheep. And he will not walk away. But he says something very interesting here. I don't know whether you noticed. He doesn't say a good shepherd risks his life for the sheep. What he should say, isn't it? That's what a shepherd does. He goes out, he's perhaps prepared to take risks, but he doesn't frankly want to die. Jesus, though, says this good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then he repeats it, verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. Verse 18 again, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Here he is, repeating himself. I lay down my life for the sheep. This is why God the Father loves me, because I lay down my life for the sheep. I do it entirely freely. No one commands me to. I lay down my life uh, for the sheep. And I have such authority that I can not only lay it down, I can take it up again. Of course, Jesus is anticipating his death on the cross and his resurrection. His great act of leadership on behalf of his sheep. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for all our sins, to finally eradicate all danger, because there is nothing in heaven or earth that can separate us from the love of God. There is no demon who can bring an accusation against us, let alone a human being, because every one of those accusations is covered by the verdict, Jesus died for that sin. And so we are safe, but safe not just in this life. He rose again, he took up his life again, as the great promise that as just as he enjoys resurrection life now, life beyond even the bondage of death. So too, all of those who put their trust in him will enjoy resurrection life in all eternity. There is no greater freedom won for us by the good shepherd Jesus. So to have this to be free indeed. 
should we respond? Well, let me first of all say, to be free is to listen to his voice. You see, that's what he does. That's what liberates us from the dilemma of the drug addict at his fork in the road. He calls us more deeply and more strongly than any of those cravings and desires that the New Testament speaks about again and again and again. And I want to say to you, listen to Jesus. Because hearing his voice is the path to freedom. And let me, uh, and perhaps we should also respond as well by being, feeling free to take risks. Because you see, the safety that he has bought us is so profound, nothing can shake it. Not even death. Not even hell. And so we are free to be the most adventurous people on the earth. We do not need to be driven by anxiety to take false and uh, negative decisions. We are free to listen to the voice of Jesus and do what he says Because, though there may be significant cost, ultimately there is no cost, only benefit. My my own story has been a story of um, taking small steps as I sought to hear the voice of Jesus and to respond. And sometimes there has been cost. Sometimes there have been things I've had to leave behind. But I've never regretted it. And in a profound way, I feel free. I want to say to you, where's your freedom lie? Jesus is the gate You are absolutely safe, but not imprisoned. If Jesus is the good shepherd, you can be securely guided in this life and to eternity. Listen to him. Let's just bow in silence for a minute and then we'll... We'll respond in praise and worship and prayer. Perhaps you, you need to hear the voice of Jesus for an opportunity to ask.
Perhaps you need to see the freedom that following Jesus brings. Ask for courage and insight.